everyone, and welcome to another episode of Buckeye Dads Discuss. I'm Josh. And I'm Andy. And it's Friday night, 11-6. Andy, did anything happen this week? What's going on? Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, I went to pick up the kid from school yesterday. We got a flat tire, got stuck in a parking lot, you know, had to wait and get it changed scrolling on social media trying to find something to get into i mean yeah i mean decent slate of college football games this weekend i guess but i mean you know the main so the main delorean the, the are you, are you, guy to come change it yeah no i'm not even into that so no i mean it was like two hours of scrolling and there was just nothing nothing on the tv at the the tire store so, no this has been just a boring week oh yeah i mean i uh you know i, I got a cold and and uh didn't feel that great, but it wasn't COVID, so that's good. And uh, you know, busy at work. And wait, wait a minute. Hold on, Andy. I'm I'm getting word that there was an election this week. How did that go? An election. <laughs> <laughs> I guess there was. I guess there was an election. Um, my response to the election is is I know people are pretty happy. It's looking at this point, like you said, it's Friday, the sixth. It's the evening, and it's. It'd be very shocking at this point, I think, if Biden doesn't win. Um, so I think celebrations are kind of starting. People are kicking off the weekend. Uh, to me, I'm not so much feeling the joy train. And to me, it's more just relief. I mean, I think it's great that we don't have to wake up wondering how our leader is going to humiliate us on an international stage every day. Um, his not-so-subtle racism isn't going to be giving the legitimacy of the presidency anymore. Donald Trump's encouragement of violence among his supporters is going to have a lot less weight. So I think it's a great thing for freedom and democracy that we're going to have a leader that isn't literally actively undermining the democratic process in the name of democracy somehow, because he <laughs> Trump is certainly trying to do that right now. Uh, and I think these are all great things, but, but it wasn't the complete blowout that we expected. Uh, the blue wave that we thought was coming to make gains in the Senate hasn't materialized at this point. I mean, Trump is still going to finish with the second highest popular vote total ever. Um, so this election was a definite step forward with the participation. I think that was great. Um, but there were a lot of people that voted for Donald Trump. There were a lot of people. And a lot of people that decided that racism and xenophobia were tolerable, as long as it means lower taxes, because that is literally the only thing I can figure out that the reason that people would vote for him. Um, I can't understand why else you would support somebody so opposed to equality. Trump won Ohio handily. I'm disappointed in my fellow Ohioans. Our COVID numbers are also completely out of control. So Ohio, get your shit together. Um, it's been an awful couple of weeks for Ohio. I mean, we left the good fight to Pennsylvania. We left it to Georgia. We let, we're going to let the SEC do the dirty work for us. We left it to Michigan. Michigan did the right thing and we didn't. Michigan. Ohio. Michigan, you guys are fucking up. <laughs> this is the best thing that you've ever done, Michigan. So props to you. Not even close. <laughs> uh, I mean, the most important thing was Biden getting the win, and he did. But it feels to me like this was like a 7.30 ABC kickoff. It's a big road game. We can make a statement against the top five team. And Joe went out, and it was a back-and-forth game, and he was up like four, maybe kicked a field goal to make it like a touchdown game at the end. Um, so, I mean, he, he did the most important thing, but the opportunity to – make a big statement i think we left it on the table okay that was a lot lot to unpack there so again everybody as of course obviously this is going to be our post-election recap show 
Um, it, the race has not been officially called uh, for Joe Biden, uh, except I believe by the decision desk, which is uh, working with Vox. Uh, and they're one of the seven or so news outlets that Twitter is letting call the election. Um, so we're, we're not 100% there yet, but Joe Biden is going to be the next president of the United States. So as we go through this, Andy just went through a lot of uh, his immediate reaction and a lot of some very big uh, picture issues that we're going to dive into as we go through this. Um, and I think overall, Andy, Andy kind of set the stage. Uh, Andy's probably going to be more of the bad cop in this uh, in this podcast. Uh, I'm going to be playing the role of the good cop. Uh, my immediate reaction, you know, is best summarized by I was taking the kids to school yesterday, and there were two songs that came on the radio. I had the jump stations. These songs were not on the same station, but uh, Since You've Been Gone came on, and what I, let me just tell you guys, I have never sang along more enthusiastically to a song without the aid of alcohol than I did telling Donald Trump that I can breathe for the, for the first time. Uh, just, just a phenomenal song to listen to on any day of the year, uh, but especially uh, a day when we realize that Donald Trump is no longer going to be president. So first... Uh, we have we have a uh, little Kelly Clarkson. Second, I flip over to 104.7, and uh, Judas Priest tells Donald Trump that he's got another thing coming. And man, just I was so fired up. So there's a whole lot of bad stuff that came out of this election. And again, we're going to get into it. But, you know, just I had muscles that have been clenched for the last four years that I finally been able to relax uh, it just feels like there's this huge monkey that is finally off my back, finally off the country's back. This disgrace of a president is not going to be the president for the next four years. Uh, and, and one thing for us to discuss later, uh, Donald Trump can run again in 2024 uh, as the Republican nominee to try and uh, earn another four years as the president. Uh, and, and we'll talk about that. And oh, man, is that going to be? Uh, would that be crazy if that happened? But uh, right now, I'm just feeling great. He'll I'm be just... what? Uh, oh, go for it. I was just going to say, I think he'll be like 104 at that point, right? Yeah, I mean, I think he'll be somewhere in the... I think he'll be pushing 80 80s? probably. Yeah, I think he'll be 79, 80, somewhere yeah. in there. Uh, which, I mean, didn't stop Joe Biden, who, you know, is going to be the oldest, uh, I believe will be the oldest president Um uh, so, you know, there's, there's lots, that, there's lots to consider, but right now I'm just in a good mood. So let's break it down a little bit, Andy. So right now there are six States there's that still have not been called, um, Alaska and North Carolina. We pretty much, we just give those to Trump. Uh, Alaska is definitely going to be a Trump state. It was never in contention. Uh, North Carolina was. A battleground state and uh there was definitely some uh thought that it could turn blue uh but it's not really on anyone's radar uh the voting is still being uh still the voting is done the counting is winding down uh but it looks like it's pretty solidly going to be a trump state uh so that really leaves it down to the big four um and biden right now as of 9 30 on friday is leading in all four of these states pennsylvania Nevada, Arizona, and Georgia. 
So to kind of break down where we are in these four different states, uh, Nevada, I would say, is the closest one to being done. Uh, Joe Biden has a, a solid lead there, and the remaining ballots that need to be counted are from Clark County, which is where Las Vegas is. It's a blue county. It's probably just going to keep getting uh, a bigger lead for Joe Biden. So we crossed that one off the list. Uh, again, Trump needs to win at least three of these states. And Joe Biden just needs to win any two. So then we go over to Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania is a very large state. It's still counting ballots. Uh, Joe Biden only just recently uh, took over the lead there. Uh, but as votes in Philadelphia and Pittsburgh continue to be counted, um, we expect Joe Biden's margin of, uh, of victory to keep going up. Uh, Georgia is a very, very narrow race uh, that, you know, that's a swing state. That's uh, Georgia and Arizona would be the two states that uh, Joe Biden flipped um, from 2016. In addition to the Wisconsin, uh, Michigan and Pennsylvania um, that Hillary lost. And then Arizona is kind of the oddball where Biden's actually had a lead that Trump was chipping away in. It doesn't look like Trump is going to have enough votes left to overtake that state. Uh, but again, long story short, four states, Biden leads in all four of them. If he wins Pennsylvania, he's officially the president. If he wins any two states of the four, he is officially the president. Yeah, I think Georgia's actually very close to being done counting. I think right now they're just waiting on their overseas military ballots, and they're just kind of squaring up some of the provisional ballots. But I think Georgia might actually be the closest to being done. The last I saw, they were, I think, down to like the single thousand, you know, thousands. It's not even 10,000 ballots left. And I think, I mean, I think Georgia is going to happen too. So Georgia and Arizona would be new pickups for the Democrats. Those states haven't gone blue in a very long time. Uh, everything else is just pretty much par for the course. 2016 was decided by Wisconsin, Michigan, and Pennsylvania. Uh, those three states went for Donald Trump in 2016. And now uh, we are very close to officially declaring all three of those states going for Joe Biden uh, in 2020. And that will be the end of that. Um, as Andy referenced earlier, uh, Joe Biden is going to be the leading vote getter ever in American history. I think he just passed the 75 million uh, vote mark. A little bit earlier today um but as but also as andy said you know you, you hear that number and you're like wow joe biden did a great job uh donald trump is gonna end up most likely if not already i'm um, gonna have to go back and look at the numbers as the second biggest vote getter ever so he beats barack obama in 2008 and a whole bunch of other uh past presidents uh and donald trump had more people vote for him in 2020 than he did in 2016 it's just that more people showed up for biden this year um and that's why joe biden's going to be president so what do you make of that andy isn't that scary that that many people saw the last four years i saw the last nine months of this country and said i want to sign up for four years for that 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 shocked me yeah i think the i think the, the the scary thing to me is Definitely that, right? Like, okay, like 2016, I'm going to give a pass to people, kind of. Um, it's like, okay, like, when people tell you who they are, you should believe them. But 
we didn't know exactly how Donald Trump was going to be. Um, you know, he's new. He's not a politician. A lot of people, you know, constant refrain is, you know, Washington's just full of politicians. We want somebody who's actually going to represent us and, and have our interest in mind. So, okay. So you, you don't like Hillary. You think she has, you know, a, a basement full of bodies somewhere or whatever. And you're just, you can't vote for Hillary. Okay. Like I disagree with you, but it is what it is at this point. But now you had four years to see exactly what a Donald J. Trump presidency would be. And, and I, Andy, honestly, if, if there was no COVID epidemic, I think Donald Trump would have won handily. And that's, that just fills my stomach with dread. Like it's just awful. And that is crazy to me because as somebody who takes the epidemic very seriously, and that's a huge concern to me, not even in the top five reasons why I couldn't vote for Donald. I mean, I, I think he's been absolutely incompetent and I think his handling of it has been terrible, but that wasn't even on the radar of reasons why I was going to vote for Biden and against him. So I just, I mean, that, that's the, that's the really tough thing for me is like, okay, we had these four years. They were a dumpster fire in so many ways that we've already discussed. And again, I could just continue. I could just do this for hours. But it's like, okay, not only, thank God he didn't win, but he had more people. People doubled down and said, hey, all of this racism, all of this xenophobia, all of this misogyny, all of this incompetence, all of this malevolence, all of this corruption, uh, sign me up for four more years of that. And that's just, that is going to be, you know, if I'm going to come over to the dark side with you, that's the thing where... Oh man, what is 2024 going to look like? We shall see. I, I have spent a lot of time over the last three months or so trying to figure out why you would vote for. I, I can't. I can't do. I cannot figure out what makes you look at what would make you look at that man and say, "Yes, I want this." And I have tons of people. I, I've been disappointed. I would say to find out that I would say almost everyone in my family voted for it. I don't get it. I just don't get it. So let's let's break down a couple of reasons why, right? Like, so on one hand, we have policy people, right? So I would put this probably in a smaller bucket. Maybe I'm completely off base. But you have the people who, you know, maybe they just love, you know, they love tax cuts and that's their thing. And keeping all of their money is more important than any other thing. You know, how, you know, the 200, almost 50,000 people who have died and... Uh, you know, and all the gr marginalized groups who have been, you know, just taking the brunt of these last four years. Okay, so you have those people. I would say that that's more of a remnant of the old Republican Party. Uh, you know, you have your you have religious people and people who you know, abortion is always going to be their issue, whatnot. So they just feel obligated to vote Republican. Okay, I mean, really, but really to me though, it is much more of the cult of personality. You know, the stuff that Donald Trump says, the racism, the xenophobia, uh, you know, again, that we talked about that permission structure where the president says it, and it's something I've always felt, and now I'm I'm okay to say it. Uh, I mean, because again, like, you know, we live in Northwest Ohio. Our county voted blue, as it usually does, um, as, a, as an urban county in the state of Ohio. You look at the Ohio map and you see, you know, Franklin County for Columbus and 
Cuyahoga County for Cleveland and Lucas County for Toledo and Hamilton County for uh, for Cincinnati. And then you got, you know, some of the suburb counties uh, around around there um, that are that are also blue. But otherwise, it's islands of blue in a sea of red. But, you know, I, I drove around. You see, I saw way more Trump signs than I did Biden signs. Uh, you know, and I, I just feel like it's a part of, uh, you know, and, and sign yard signs are obviously not a, a you know, a measure of, of how an election is going to go, but it's just like the people who love Trump love Trump and they want you to know that they're, they're voting for him and he's their guy. Um, and, and that's just reinforced by the fact that even more people said, Hey, sign me up again for four more years. Let's do this. I'm he's going to get even more votes than he did the first time around. I mean, I guess the cult of personality makes sense because I, I can't I can't see what he's he, I don't think he's done anything for me. I can tell you that. Yeah, I mean, did you in the, you know, the start of the year when the tax cut went into place or whatever, did you look at your paycheck and be like, oh, hey, look at all this extra money that I have in my in my paycheck? Like, no, like I couldn't, <laughs> you know, I couldn't tell any difference or whatever. And and again, you know, it's just not this is not the thing for me. Like, oh, OK, so I have an extra hundred dollars, you know, a month or whatever coming into my paycheck because of, you know, a tax cut that overwhelmingly benefits millionaires, billionaires, and big businesses. Um, but you know, if that also means that benefits get cut for programs that people use or whatever, like that just has never been the, the single motivating factor for me, you know, which politician is going to be best for my checkbook. It's just not, not how I vote. Yeah. I, I have a problem with, and I mean, Look at, looking at a lot of the people that I know that voted for Trump, man, I make a, a lot less money than most of them, I think. So I think to me, it was a little bit shocking that, that they're so obsessed with, oh, I can hold on to every penny. It's like, man, you know, I'm, I'm poor and I'm willing to chip in a couple bucks to make sure everybody gets taken care of. You can't throw in a couple bucks. I, I, I know, know, right? So this brings up, uh, this is probably a good point to jump in the conversation you and I were having earlier today. So obviously we have just a very small amount of the data that we're going to have about how people voted and demographics and all of that. Um, but you and I were trading some images earlier today and we touched on this before, like, you know, is our generation, the generation that's finally going to move liberal ideas and progressive ideas and the democratic party into the, you know, as the winning party going forward, obviously we're not yet at that point where we're running for office and, and have the overwhelming amount of power. Um, But just kind of talking about our generation, uh, racial and ethnic breakdowns uh, as far as voters and whatnot. And so I sent you this graph earlier today, and it uh, it shows how young people voted, basically, and it breaks it down by race. And so if you look at this, uh, this is data from the AP. the black youth ages, we're talking 18 to 29 here. So we're talking more Zoomer generation, the generation below us, and some millennials. Uh, 88% of black youth voted for Biden, 83% of Asian youth, 75% of Latino youth. And then we fall off a cliff and we get to 53% of the white youth. I was pretty rosy and optimistic that, you know, maybe we were going to put the Republican Party to bed the older we got. Um, and that we, you know, our generation was staking out that, you know, more liberal progressive ideas were going to be the law of the land. Um, and, and I don't know anymore. I remember, I'm really not sure. 
Yeah, I think it's a little bit shocking that so many young white people voted. I, I would have expected that demographic to, I think, but, you know, maybe not be up in that 75-25 split, but to be a little bit more skewed towards Biden just because, I, again, it's the people that were around. And But I, I think so many people in our generation are just so socially liberal. I mean, I know for me, I can be a little bit fiscally conservative, but like with Trump, the, the social issues are a non-star. Like I'm so liberal socially that it, no matter what he does fiscally, I would have to go liberal. And I think it's a little bit disappointing and surprising that what is Donald, aside from the cult of personality or, or my parents told me to vote for him, what does Donald Trump offer the young white voter? Um, uh, you, you get the same make America great again. Like, I, I don't, like, I, I really don't know. Like, I don't understand, you know, obviously, you know, there's lots of strongly held beliefs that get passed down from generation to generation. Uh, and, you know, so if you grow up in that type of household and your parents are, overly political and that kind of rubs off on you uh maybe that's something that kind of gets passed down but man i don't know it's not exactly like uh you know again donald trump measures the economy by how 401ks and the stock market are doing you know that's that's something where people in our generation don't have that that is not our economic uh, impact measures that's not how we judge how we are doing financially we determine that based on do I have enough money to buy a house? Can I afford to have children? Do I have crippling student loan debt? And how am I going to resolve that? Like, you know, what what's going on in the stock market is not that. And that's always the indicator that Donald Trump pointed to to say how good the economy was. Have wages measurably gone up over the last four years? Um, over the past 20 years? No. You know, we have things like, uh, I believe it was Prop 22 and California where Uber and Lyft don't want to, you know, pay their drivers any kind of benefits. Like where the gig economy is, is not good for our generation. You know, it, it takes away benefits and, uh, and, and makes people just have to work and work and work in order to make ends meet. So I, I don't know. I would have thought that number would have been at least like 60%, 66%, um, but 53%, man, that's, that's chilling. I don't know. It's the the Trump fear mongering of the suburbs are going to go away, and I don't know. <laughs> I th this makes me think a little bit of a conversation I I had with my dad publicly on Facebook about. I think there's a at least for a lot of people I know a disconnect between that younger generation of like. I don't know that we think America is as great as our parents do. I don't know what you think about that, but but to me it's like I don't think this country is going in a direction that it's better than it was for me growing up no i mean are we you know are we as great as what our parents generation think i mean our parents generation you know saw their parents go off to you know in world war ii and save the world from the nazis and you know kind of grew up in that you know america is the best and we made it the best and i still think that there's a decent amount of that for our generation you know i mean again our generation maybe not as tied down with how much technology we have or whatever we have the ability maybe to move uh more freely than our parents generation did so like people can go other places if they want to but i don't you know i know we i know you love to joke about canada or whatever but i don't seriously think that either of us are leaving for canada or europe or or any anything like that anywhere soon but um i mean you and i came of age and you know we've had two 
uh, you know, recessions, uh, the Iraq war, 9-11 in the Iraq war, Afghanistan. We've just been in endless wars. Uh, the economy has benefited overwhelmingly the top, you know, 1% uh, and has not trickled down to uh, most people in our generation, crippling student loan debt uh, that previous generations didn't have to deal with, the cost of everything going up, our wages not going up uh, accordingly. Uh, so yeah, I mean, what, you know, what is there, you know, there's, there's technology. I mean, there's, uh, you know, we still have a, you know, an amazing lifestyle in comparison to, to most places in the world, um, as far as the creature comforts and conveniences we have, but is it a safe, healthy place to raise our, you know, to have a family and, and raise our children and, uh, no. <laughs> so I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I think you hit on, is that a safe, healthy place? I think you hit on exactly the concerns that, that I have. And you joked about me not going to Canada, but man, if it was a little bit easier, I think culturally my family fits in so much more in Canada. <laughs> and it's not just the hockey, but oh, I, I would absolutely go if I could. <laughs> but again, I'm going to not, not, I'm not going to be dragged down. So I want to talk, talk about some, you know, good things that happen. <laughs> um, we, this year, I feel like there was minimal stories about crazy long lines. I don't think we had anything, you know, about defective voting machines. There was, a, I believe in Georgia, there was a polling place where a pipe burst, uh, but it's, it did not, like, affect any of the ballots that were that, that were being held in, in that building. And again, we this is going to be one of the craziest, highest turnout elections that we've had in a very long time. People participated in democracy, and that's, you know, something that, you know, sure, we've probably held ourselves to too low of a standard in the past. Uh, but for this election, people said, my vote is important, and what I think about Donald Trump or Joe Biden is important, and it's important enough that I'm going to take the time out of my busy day, uh, busy week, busy life, and and go vote because it's actually important to me. And you know, that's something that I, I can at least feel a little bit good about. This is not an election that was decided by a small subset of the population. People showed up and said, hear my voice. That is true. I mean, the, the turnout has to be the number one positive. I, I, I can't, I had the stat, but I can't pull it up right now. But of how many people were first time voters. And I mean, they're obviously when you have the most people voting of all time, you're gonna have a lot of but there were a lot, I mean, millions and millions of people that had never participated before. And and I mean it's not people that were just turning 18, it's people that had, you know, I read a story, I think of like a 98-year-old woman that had never voted before, but decided, hey, this is gonna be the time. So absolutely people participating. I mean, mail in, you say what you want about it, but it definitely seemed to have worked. I mean, the process couldn't have been easier for me. I, I got my ballot. I sent it in. I was able to track it on the uh, county board of elections. So I knew exactly when they got it and then my vote was being counted. Not that it mattered because a bunch of you fools in Ohio voted for the wrong guy, but that's okay. But as far as the process, it, it went just fine. So uh, yeah, there were, there were definitely positives. Okay, Andy. So let's rewind back to Tuesday night. And I have always been my entire life, an anxious person, person who, when I'm anxious, I need to pace. I cannot sit down. I cannot sit still. So 
my wife is looking at me like I'm a crazy person, you know, which she does for so many things, but I'm, you know, I'm standing behind the dining room table. I'm walking up to the TV. I'm standing right in front of it. I'm going back to get a drink. You know, I just can't bear to look and I just over and over and over again. Uh, What were you doing Tuesday night? How did you consume the election? So I was not up pacing all night. Um, Started watching results roll in, probably watched coverage from, I don't know, maybe eight to nine or so. We threw something on the TV to like 11. I was listening to, I want to say it was NBC. I had the headphones in at 11 and I, as I typically do when sitting on the couch, fell asleep almost immediately. Uh, So I woke up at, I want to say it was like 1230. I said, they don't know anything. So I went to bed. I I woke up at four and checked things and and got very angry because things were not looking so great. And I just said, I'm going back to bed because there's nothing I can do about it. And and then I got up and kind of started my day at six with a, pretty uh angry facebook post towards the entire country and the state and how disappointed i was in them but but as far as election night it was not a late night for me because if i sit on the couch and the the lights are down pretty much no matter what's on the screen i'm falling asleep and that's exactly what happened tuesday so i'm never gonna make the mistake that i did tuesday night (laughs) um for now on i'm going to bed i'm doing what you're doing i'm going to bed Maybe I'll wake up and check it when I go to the bathroom or whatever. I was up until 3.45 in the morning. I just could not let it go. Um, and it was just a roller coaster of emotions. So, uh, you know, we we start counting right away. Uh, one thing that I don't think that uh, can be fixed at the federal level, but I sure hope gets fixed before the next election. So some states... Uh, Florida and Ohio among them uh, can start either preparing or counting their absentee ballots uh, one day, two days before the election, but Florida is up to like two weeks before the election. Um, and so you can start the counting, you can start the prepping uh, and, and your state won't take forever in a day to call. However, certain states, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, uh, being two of the big ones, uh, you cannot start counting until the morning of the election. So what you're seeing right now in Pennsylvania is all just a, based on what order ballots are counted in. So a lot of these uh, Midwest states are going to start out really red, which they did, um, because those states were releasing their election day results first. Um, but Again, Florida and Ohio, two of the biggest states in the entire country, they, those states were called relatively early or just about called very, very early. And then you have states like Wisconsin and, and Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania is still being counted right now. And granted, it's a very large state, but we could have been counting these absentee ballots that, were, that we've been counting for the last three days, you know, two weeks ago. Um, and so really like, because of this, I'm just next time around, I'm just good. I'm going to go to bed. I'll wake up. It's almost certainly not going to be decided, you know, election, election day anymore, unless it's a landslide. Um, but Andy, I was, we saw Ohio, Ohio, North Carolina were two States that started out blue. And I was like, 
man, Ohio wasn't even on anyone's radar that it could actually potentially go blue. And I'm sitting there and it's looking okay. And then it gets redder and redder and redder. And I just get in a worse and worse mood. And Florida was one of those states where if Biden won, Trump was done. Um, It just has so many electoral votes. It wasn't really something that he needed. Uh, And again, it was something that was blue and red and blue and red. And then it just kept getting redder and redder. And I was feeling pretty, pretty down uh, because again, Wisconsin and Michigan, uh, Pennsylvania were all red at that time. But then something happened, Andy, you were probably asleep for this. Fox News called Arizona and it was like, whoa, what is going on? Um, They called Arizona, I want to say somewhere around midnight or so. Uh, All reports were that the Trump uh, campaign was incandescent with rage. And really like props to the Trump campaign, because that is really one of the best ways to describe, you know, when you feel really angry. I just, there's, there's a lovely description. Um, and so Fox News calls Arizona, and it seems super early. And Arizona is a critical state. Uh, it was, you know, it was a battleground state that uh, Biden had not, or Hillary had not won four years before. Um, that plus Nevada could kind of substitute for Pennsylvania um, in an electoral college map. Uh, so it gives Biden lots more outs. And so Arizona gets called, and I'm waiting. And I'm waiting. I'm like, okay, I should just go to bed. Uh, but it's like 2, 2.30. And I'm like, why hasn't anybody else called the state yet? And then finally, this the Vox decision desk, or no, it was the AP, excuse me. The AP calls it. But it is now Friday night, and no other place has yet to call Arizona still. So I don't know what happened with this. Fox defended their decision to call it and believe that it's going to be right. And it could still very well be right. But the state of Arizona caused me to stay up an extra like three and a half hours on election night and fuck you, Arizona. That's what I have to say to you. I think that's been my opinion of Georgia pretty much every night. I've, I've been, Georgia has been the state that's just been fascinating for me because they're updating steady, but slow. So they'll update, you know, a hundred votes but they're doing it you know 20 times a day so it's like i'm just sitting there like oh, what's happening in georgia what's happening in georgia i'm I, it's it's not like maddening like arizona seems to be for you georgia to me is just it has just been must watch tv and I, I i don't even know why because it's not i mean it's it's going to be a nice win but it's not super super critical but i just find georgia to be just i mean i have georgia up on on the other screen right now as we're talking just watching what happened okay gwinnett county has an it issue they're not going to keep counting anymore tonight so that's disappointing even though there's probably like 30 ballots there but (laughs) georgia to me has just been the one that i'm i'm loving it and i don't know why well andy i will tell you right now why you should love georgia georgia is about to be very important so Senate, we have not talked about the Senate at all. So uh, let's rewind a second. So going into this debate, there was lots of optimism optimism for a blue wave. Uh, Democrats were expected to keep the House, which we have. Democrats were a very strong possibility that they would retake control of the Senate. And then that Biden would actually have a pretty comfortable uh, electoral college win. Polling just shit the bed again this year. Uh, I am done with the polls. Uh, just, you know, volunteer, donate, work your ass off and just 
hope that's enough. Um, but the you know so so that all happens. Uh, lots of Senate races go Republicans' way instead of Democrats' way. Uh, right now, we're currently waiting on the Alaska Senate race, which we expect to be Republican. And so that would put the Senate count at 50 Republicans, 48 Democrats, Independents, Bernie, whatever the fuck you want to call them. Uh, but we have two Senate races that have not been called yet and will not be called. And both of the Georgia Senate races are going to go to a runoff. Uh, one's a special election where you need to get 50% of the vote, and that didn't happen. And then same thing for the other election. Neither candidate looks like is going to get 50% of the vote. Um, and so both of those races will run off in January. If Democrats can win both of them, which is highly unlikely but possible, uh, then uh, Vice President Kamala Harris can break a tie in the Senate. And Democrats de facto have control of the Senate if they win both of those seats. Uh, so you're about, if you live in the state of Georgia, I'm sorry, you will be living through political commercial hell uh, at least until January. Uh, but there's going to be a whole lot of attention paid to those two Senate races. It's, it's more than just peanuts, right? Oh. <laughs> uh, Two Senate races and Justin Fields. Thank you. Thank you, Justin Fields. Uh, all right, Andy, we need a sidebar. Hey, best real thing quick. to come out of Georgia. We need a sidebar real okay. quick. Okay. Um, I think we might have to eat our words about Justin Fields through two games already. He looks unbelievable this year. Yeah, he looks really, uh, he looks real good. <laughs> He's at like what, like six or seven touchdowns and six or seven incompletions for the season so far. Um, man, I you know I was dogging him in particular, saying he looked a little shaky at the end of the last year. Um, you know how good was he actually going to be? But man, whew, if Justin Fields can uh, stay away from the COVID, uh, I think we're just going to stomp this year. I mean, we already passed our toughest test last week, I think is I can't imagine anybody else on the schedule is going to give us a tougher game than Penn state. So yeah, I mean, we, we have looked great. Fields has looked great, man. I really thought after week one, I was like, why did they only put Michigan at 13? They looked really good versus Minnesota. <laughs> and then Michigan's gone to Michigan. Cause they go play little brother and little brother whooped their ass again ends up pulling out the victory. So, oh, what a phenomenal week. And, and how bad did Michigan State look in week one? They, they lost the, they, they were the ones who lost the Rutgers, right? They gave yeah. Rutgers their, they gave Rutgers their first big time win in like forever. Um, yeah, <laughs> they looked terrible. What a phenomenal college football weekend that was. I was Man, there's some you know, there's something about psychological about Buckeye football. It just puts a little extra in your stuff. Just man, so good. All right. Anyways, back to back to the election. So I also want to give a special shout out to Nevada, the state that has spawned a thousand memes. Um, <laughs> the state is not that populous, and they are just the counting thing is not working out for them this year. 
I mean, it's it's the it's the state that has Vegas. I mean, and it's it's not just the state that has Vegas. It's Clark County that can't figure it out. You don't have a math guy. You don't have a numbers guy in Clark County that can get this figured out. I know every casino down there should you know just have just donate a person to help count. Um, just some wonderful memes, Andy. You uh, you shared with me earlier. Pennsylvania counted eight hundred thousand. Georgia counted two hundred thousand. Arizona one hundred thousand. All right, states, how many votes have you counted today? And it's a picture of Nevada, Tom Brady holding up four fingers. Just, I don't, I don't know what's I, going on. I, there, I like but... the, the, they're using Internet Explorer. That's the issue. <laughs> it just might be. It just might be. Um, but yeah, they're just. Netscape. <laughs> there's a, there's an ex, there's another excellent one where it's, it's the uh, the sweaty, I think, uh, the sweaty character who says, it's Nevada too afraid to tell them that Kanye actually won. Um, just, uh, man, I don't know what's going on in Nevada. It's only worth six electoral college votes, so it cannot by itself swing the election either way. It has to be paired up with another state. But, uh, man, Nevada, call your ballots. Let's go. Well, maybe they misplayed it a little bit and they were hoping that, you know, maybe Pennsylvania went Trump and, and that they would really become the center of the universe. And that's not the way it's shaking out. But maybe they overplayed their hand a bit and they were trying to, to really pull out that drama to get that spotlight on them as long as they could and kind of crept the bed a little bit. So right now, again, we're calling it. And some of you might be confused, like, oh, this hasn't been decided yet. It's decided. Trust me. Um, really even Pennsylvania is the state that I think is the most susceptible to Trump lawyer fuckery and lawsuits and and shenanigans and all that or whatever but it looks like just the ballots that they have that were received by election day are going to be enough to decide uh, the state as a whole Uh, the Trump campaign has already called for a recount of Wisconsin don't get scared people again so wisconsin has already been recounted uh once in a relatively recent um election and i believe in 2016 it was and uh it moved the ballot uh moved the race 300 total votes more towards trump Um, i believe wisconsin's sitting somewhere in the 20,000 vote range the last time i checked uh so these recounts georgia could be interesting i mean georgia looks like it's set to be very very close if it if it's asked to be recounted but uh all the trump legal challenges so far have been largely dismissed by by judges um it really doesn't seem like there's a good legal basis for any of the lawsuits that they might try to to bring it's really just they're you know throwing hail marys left and right because nobody wants to tell the boss that uh he lost to joe biden and he needs to get out uh in january I mean, I don't think there's any surprise that this is the way it's going to go. He's been setting this up with his undermining the mail-in votes, saying the mail-in votes aren't going to be legit, saying that the election must be decided on election day. I mean, he, he this is the playbook he's been setting up for weeks and even months now. So it's it's no shock that – and I mean, Donald Trump is a lot of things, but I don't think dumb is one of them. He knows exactly what's going on, but he also knows that he can get his base whipped up. He knows that he can – make this nasty i mean he's gonna lose at the end of the day but he he can certainly make it nasty and he's set himself up very well to make the arguments that he's making right now to make it nasty 
there was just another drop of votes in Pennsylvania and I took almost 80% of them, FYI. Yeah, so again, like, there's there's nothing to worry about right now, knock on wood. I'm not going to jinx it, but uh, but really, when, when the counting is done, you know, ideally this would have happened already, but it is what it is. We'll just have to wait it out. Uh, Biden is going to end up being the president in four years at least where, uh, you know, we won't have to worry about Donald Trump um, until 2024. Uh, so Biden is in all likelihood going to go into his presidency with the House, but not with the Senate. Uh, and so, you know, we're left to wonder, uh, you know, is are we going to have at least two years, two very frustrating years of McConnell obstructing every single legislative measure um, in 2022, you know, uh, is another uh, batch of senators that will be up. I've read that it is allegedly going to be a an easier year for Democrats to flip some seats. So it's possible that halfway through Biden being president that we will have, uh, you know, a, a Democrat House, a Democrat Senate, and a Democrat president. And maybe we can really get cooking on some of these big measures uh, as far as health care, uh, climate change, and all that. But, you know, I know Joe Biden wants to be the president for the whole country, and he wants to unify the country and bring everyone together. Um, good luck getting Mitch McConnell to buy into that. And if we have another two years that just go down the drain, uh, you know, I personally am a fan of pulling back, uh, the power of the presidency. Um, and this applies to, I, I believe both parties, like, you know, Obama issued quite a few executive actions. Um, it really kind of Congress has decided that they don't want to hold the bag, uh, for dec- declarations of war, and, you know, approving national security type uh, terrorist actions in other countries and whatnot. So the power of the presidency has expanded for both Obama has, has taken advantage of that. Uh, Donald Trump has certainly taken advantage of that. Um, and so there's going to be a call for Biden to use executive orders to kind of throw his weight around and get as much done as possible. Um, at some point, I would like Congress to actually do their job and, and take back some of the power that they've ceded to the presidency. Um, and kind of, you know, decentralize the power that has accumulated in the federal government from the executive branch to the legislative branch. But we'll have to see. I mean, if we're going to have two years of doing of getting nothing done, uh, I'm, I'm going to take executive orders on climate change and, and you know, some of uh, anything he can do from an economy perspective, some of these other kind of social issues, because... We got to get shit done. I don't, you know, we're in the middle of a pandemic. We're in the middle of a recession. We got to, we got to start fixing things. I guess I get to play the optimist here a little bit. Um, So just a couple of, of maybe positive spins on that. Biden and McConnell have a history of being able to work together at least somewhat during the Trump administration or the Obama administration rather. So Hopefully there's a little bit of, you know, they have experience with one another, at least. They've both expressed within the last couple of days that they're willing to sit down and have that phone call once it inevitably gets called and, and kind of talk about some ways to work. So I think maybe there's a little bit of reason to be optimistic and hope that, that those two can work together maybe a little bit better than things have been going lately. And uh, the other positive for me is there's been a, a, a deafening silence, I think, from a lot of the right 
at, at least on Donald Trump's conspiracy theories on his false election theories. And, and maybe that's, maybe I'm being a little hopeful, but maybe that's the party pulling back a little bit from the, you know, they're trying to, to come back from that Donald Trump lunatic fringe a little bit. And, and maybe that's a signal that the, the, the Donald Trump Republican party might be going to, going to go when he goes and hopefully they'll get back to a little bit more of sanity. I don't know how else to say it. <laughs> I appreciate your optimism. Uh, and I will, Unfortunately, I cannot. I cannot share it. Um, I think what's happened again. I'm not blaming Trump for the state of the Republican Party. He is a symptom of something that's been going on for a while. But I think, you know, if you look out at some of these Republican Senate races, a lot of them are more nervous about being primaried by a, a Trump loony than they are, you know, going into the actual election against. You know, a Democrat, um, I think Trump has such a hold over enough of the Republican base that, you know, the, the party is his. And I think the party might still be his even after he is out of office. So I would love to be wrong. Uh, you know, I would love to debate the merits of, you know, tax cuts being better than, you know, increasing taxes and, and improving the social safety net as, you know, as a, as an argument for how the government should work. Um, but I don't, I don't know. We'll see. I mean, I would love to be proven wrong. Let's hope we're heading back to a government that, <laughs> that works for the people and not for the president. Man, I hope so. So one more thing I wanted to talk to you about, Andy, um, just kind of this, you know, we can relate this to our own, you know, personal lives and whatnot. So, the the Biden coalition looks different than previous Democrat coalitions, but it's also kind of hardened somewhat in a way to where, uh, you know, the Democrat coalition is the overwhelming amount of, of, of black Americans uh, really have boosted us uh, into a Biden presidency. So uh, thank you for that. Latino, the Latino population is still, largely Democrat, but uh, certainly uh, Donald Trump was able to eat into a large, larger than expected portion of that. Um, I do think that even though the attacks were crazy and how uh, untrue they were, that, you know, being able to paint Biden as a socialist for Americans who have, uh, you know, their roots in uh, Cuba or some other socialist South American uh, central Central American or South American countries, um, you know, and they have their own personal experience with how awful, you know, their uh, country's version of socialism was uh, back in the day, and, you know, and their parents and grandparents and great grandparents. Um, and so they were able to scare uh, the, uh, some people um, away from Biden. But when we look at the white, uh, the white population, Biden's support is overwhelmingly coming from college-educated whites. Trump's support is overwhelmingly coming from non-college-educated whites. Um, and there's just some huge divides. There's, you know, there's the urban versus rural. Um, there's uh, men overwhelmingly going for Trump uh, and, and, and women more so going for Biden. But this, this education gap has really kind of hardened. And I was just curious, do you have any thoughts on that? Like, 
do you think we knew, uh, you know, we need to do a better job of reaching out to uh, people of all types of education backgrounds? Like, what do you think about that? Yeah, so I, I do think it's interesting that how, how racially aligned that is, that it's, you know, it's, it's white non-college graduates that it's I don't know. I'm just going to be completely honest. I, I don't know if I have thoughts on that. And I don't know if the thoughts that I have on that, I necessarily want to touch. In <laughs> yes. It's a loaded way. subject. I just, I just gave you a loaded gun and said, yeah. you want to shoot this thing? Yeah. Uh, I mean, it, yeah, of course I do. But, um, <laughs> Man, I don't know. Like, okay. So let me, yeah, let me kind of let you off the hook here for a second. Like, I don't know either. Like, yeah, you know, there's this overwhelming sentiment that like, you know, the Democratic Party are, you know, it's these liberal coastal elites who look down their nose at you and want to tell you what to do. And, you know, they think you're stupid and they think that you don't know what you're talking about and you should just listen to them and vote for them. And that's why you should vote blue. And I just think it's a really serious issue. Like, I think there are lots of people who legitimately feel that way. And, you know, I, you know, you know run in a circle of a largely college educated white people. And I would say that a lot of people don't feel that way, but, you know, perception is reality in this case. And I don't know what to do to change it besides the fact that, you know, tax cuts for big businesses and millionaires and billionaires and, you know, not charging people for the dividends they make from, you know, stocks and all that, like that doesn't, that doesn't help, you know, us normal people, you know, that just helps a certain group of people that, you know, are our generation and our, you know, and our families, you know, are almost certainly never going to achieve. I, I, I think you let me recover from the shock a little bit of the, uh, Ooh, I don't know if I want to touch this one. So I, I think what I'm going to say on that is this, my guess, and this could be wrong, is that a lot of the white non-college graduates are going to be people in rural America that have very limited experience and exposure with diversity. And I think when you go to college, you inherently are in a, a, a pretty, I mean, it's a very diverse environment. So my guess would be when you go to college, not only are you learning how to think more critically, and I don't think that's too harsh, right? To say that you're learning how to think more well, critically. Well, I don't know, right? Like I completely I agree with, I completely agree with everything that you said so far, but it also just to like, you know, if I'm trying to take a step back or whatever, it sounds like well, we went to college and we got to see all these different things. And that's why, you know, we're enlightened enough to vote Democrat. Like, I don't like, again, this is a question that doesn't have an answer. Um, obviously, if we could answer it, uh, we'd be on Biden's payroll. And, you know, Biden would have won all 50 states uh, with how horrible Trump's been over the last four years. So it's certainly not something that we can give an answer to. It's just, I don't know what to do about it. Like, you know, when I when I scroll through my Facebook feed and all I want to do is be like, that's wrong, wrong, wrong. That's a, a garbage source. Uh, that, that doesn't, the thing that you think this says that, that doesn't, that's not what it says at all. And, and I've already done it today. Like I've seen all of these like mountains of text of, of, of all these conspiracy theories about how, you know, Trump was winning and then, the clock stopped and then you know an hour later magically you know you know biden was in the lead or whatever and it's like okay like maybe at three o'clock in the morning people went home and decided to pick it up the next day and you know that's why we didn't have any votes from 3 a.m to, to 6 a.m like you know just 
I, I see this stuff and I'm just like, you know, I, it's, it's not that I think that you're dumb. It's just that that's wrong. And it's so it's, if you, you know, investigate it for 30 seconds, you, you can realize that that's wrong. So I, I just, but pointing that out, I mean, again, it's not, it, it doesn't really seem very, very constructive. I just don't know what to do about it. So I, I really don't know any, do you have anything else you want to say on this topic or should we move on? Yeah. I, so I think I was really trying to get at, it's not just, you know, going to be your ability to evaluate different sources because you have a college education. Cause I think there's plenty of people that are savvy and can kind of see, you know, read between the lines and see through the BS. I think there's plenty of people that are college educated that fall for the exact same crap that, you know, a lot of people are falling for. Oh, um, absolutely. I think one of the things that's, that's, that's really telling for me is I think college educated people are just exposed to so much more diversity. And I want to pull up a stat that I was reading earlier. It is, is racism in the U.S. an important problem? And 70% of Biden voters said, yes, it's an important problem. And 16% of Trump voters said that racism is an important problem in America. And I think a lot of what I think, you know, kind of explaining the set that you had of it's a lot of non-college educated white people. I think it's probably white people that are, have never maybe had experience. And I think they're probably in rural areas that it's a lot easier to hold those racist attitudes. And so Trump's racism to them is not something abhorrent. It's not the shocking, you know, it's it's not the non-starter that it is to you and I, where we look at that and say, I could never vote for somebody that supports that. That would be my best guess at an explanation. And and if we have any rural listener, white listeners, I, I just got canceled by them. Cancel. Cancel culture. Stop the votes, Andy. Stop counting. Law and order. Yeah, I don't, I don't hey, know. Did you see the Yahoo Fantasy Football came out? No. <laughs> Yahoo Fantasy Football came out and said, we're not going to stop the stop counting on Sunday just because you're ahead. Please stop asking us. The joke was funny the first time. Oh, my gosh. So, I don't know. I mean, obviously, I'm very excited about uh, a Biden presidency. Was Biden my guy? No. Like, again, I think he's uh, – I'm curious, you know, where he's ultimately going to end up settling – uh, obviously, he's a, was one of the more uh, centrist candidates who was on the uh, Democratic, uh, you know, party platform when everybody was running. Uh, you know, so he has a base of people who are going to want to see some very progressive action taken on climate change and the economy and uh, you know police reform and 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 uh, systemic racism and all of that. Um, he definitely, you know made a big appeal to being the president for the whole country and trying to, you know, I'm, we're going to read a, a ton about, I'm sure about, uh, you know, Trump Biden voters who voted for Trump in 2016 and said, no mas, I'm, you know, I'm, I can't do this again. I'm going to vote for Biden. Uh, or, you know, we're going to read about people who, you know, are undecideds or those swing voters who, you know, said, Hey, you know, Biden doesn't seem, like a Bernie bro, you know, he, this seems reasonable. Like, let's go ahead and do this. So I'm curious to see how, where he ends up on the uh, ideological spectrum as far as what his 
uh, is like his cabinet picks, for example, his cabinet's going to be huge in my opinion. So I, I really hope that we're, we see a wide range of, of beliefs. You know, I, I would like to see somebody, uh, you know, very progressive as far as, you know, like secretary of treasury, my, my top shelf pick would be Elizabeth Warren, bring her in, have her start busting up monopolies, really working on wealth inequality and, and, and things to strengthen the social uh, support net. Um, but, you know, he's definitely going to have, I'm sure, you know, some very middle of the road, you know, center left, center, center right type people um, on his campaign, you know, especially in positions um, that have to do with national defense. You know, you get a lot of Republicans serving in those roles uh, for both Republican and uh, Democratic presidents. Um, so I'd be curious to see if his, if his cabinet is, all people kind of in the middle or if he has i i think it's very unlikely he will have a very progressive liberal cabinet completely um or if it's a mix of he has some very progressive people and some center people and it is representative of that wide coalition that ended up making him president of the united states yeah i you're probably better read on that than i am so i'm gonna defer to you on that but you know i haven't gotten that far down the road i think at looking at that but i would agree that just you know from whatever i read and kind of just my thoughts would be that he's probably going to go more towards that sun or less less of the bernie bros yeah which again i mean like i ultimately i want to you know win and i want to keep winning i want to keep uh you know there are a lot of things that a lot of policies that are very popular uh, for the country as a whole. And then you put, you know, oh, well, this is a Biden policy or this is a Bernie policy. And then, you know, that, uh, you know, that support for that policy shrinks because you attach it to a Democrat's name. So even if it's just focusing on a, a lot of what I would say are liberal policies that a lot of the country agrees with, common sense gun reforms, significant action on climate change, like there are these things that people agree with uh, across both sides of the aisle so just start at least doing those things um, and then we'll kind of get into the nitty-gritty some of the more difficult stuff maybe in 2022 once we have the senate yeah, i mean if we do nothing else if we can take some steps towards saving the planet man it's in rough shape let's let's get everybody on board with that yeah i mean we can get back into paris on day one so like just simple things like that like let's move forward to being more a more normal presidency okay so i think that's is there anything else you want to say about this election andy i feel like we've kind of hit all the big things again i want to just say congratulations to joe biden because uh if we had four more years of trump this is going to be a very dark podcast no i mean it's like i said i mean it's it, it is definitely a relief that Joe Biden is going to get the dub, going to get the job done, take care of business. Um, I, I've definitely consumed way too much. It's been, you know, must watch, must must see TV pretty much all the waking hours of my day. I'll be looking forward to once it gets called and then I can go back to, you know, checking in a couple times a day rather than the, the constant scroll, the, the doom scrolling that I've been doing for the last week or so. So I'll, I'll be looking forward to, you know, maybe this weekend getting into a little football and, and taking a break from some of that heavy election stuff. And, and I will, uh, I did not get a chance yet to watch the newest episode of the Mandalorian. So that will be on my weekend agenda 
some college football, making sure my kids don't destroy the house while their mother is gone. Uh, should be good. Should be a good weekend. I'm, you know, I'm looking forward to it, and I think um, the country. You know, we have two months of potential chaos. Um, you know, Trump doesn't have both halves of the of of Congress, so hopefully his impact in his lame duck session will be minimal. Um, you know, there's talk that there's going to be another COVID relief bill that Congress is going to be working on, so. Um, I'm hoping that these next two months go by and we have a wonderful Thanksgiving and wonderful Christmas come back in January and we can start the work of getting the country uh, healed back together again. Yeah. I mean, I think COVID has to be the most concerning thing over the next two months. Um, But hopefully, you know, Biden can start getting out ahead of that with his messaging at least and and putting out some of the points of what his policies are going to be, how he's going to, take the fight to the streets. Cause that man, that is, that is the one thing I think this distracted me from politics is Ohio is in rough shape and we need to do something. I, I invited governor DeWine to, to listen to the show tonight. So, uh, Mike, if you're out there listening, fucking do something, man. Jesus. Okay. Don't get on TV and, and put out the, the, the dream team again for the 17th time. Like we know who the directors are. Do something. Yeah. So, not to be a dead horse, but like we need, we need to do five more minutes of COVID here real quick because uh, first of all, you called the governor Mikey uh, to to his electronic face, uh, so I, I didn't realize that you and him were on such good terms. But uh, yeah, we got we, we spent a lot of time together the last six months or so. That's, that's true. You have been consuming quite a bit of his content. We got an email today from my son's school district, and it basically said, you know. At this point, we were supposed to be making the transition into green was the ideal, you know, back to four days, five days a week in person completely. You know, that got pushed back to say we're going to stay in hybrid. And now we got an email that was like where Lucas County is over the 200 uh, cases per 100,000 people. If we hit the 10% positivity rate, which we're in the like, I don't know, somewhere in the seven to eight range right now, I think. We're going to go the other way and we're going to go to fully remote. Uh, and that's, it is just so bad in the state right now, uh, in our county, in our state. Um, and I just really like, you know, I, I made some sarcastic comment on Twitter, like DeWine led the, led the country, shut down schools, imposed the lockdown, uh, you know, and said, hey, we really need to take this seriously. Didn't have the mask mandate right away but said they were recommended. Um, And now he's just become this governor who, you know, just says, oh, I just wish something could be done. You're the fucking governor. Like, do the things that you already did when the pandemic was in a much better place back in the spring. Like, what is going on? It is shocking to me. Just, I mean, our hospitalization numbers, I think we're we're approaching 50% over our, our previous, you know, highest census we've ever had. And, and the approach then was, you know, let's take drastic measures. Let's shut down the places that we're seeing spread. And, and all of the approaches, come on, guys, be cool. It's like, <laughs> I, mean, I, I, truthfully, I, I've tried to tune into a couple of his press conferences and it's gotten to the point where it's unwatchable because it's like, you're just going to get up there and say the same things about how bad it is and not do anything. And I mean, it's, it's not, Certainly, it's far from all all of being all his fault. I mean, 
a lot of that responsibility falls on the people of Ohio and the things that they're absolutely not doing. And I mean, everyday citizens are not doing the things that they need to do to, to prevent the spread at all. People are done with it. They're not willing to make even the small sacrifices that they need to. So, so to be clear, the majority of the responsibility is on, is on us as Ohioans. But I mean, Mike, don't, don't get up there and say, you're better off pretending like you don't know what's going on. Just bury your head in the sand and wait for your fucking prom. I mean, just pretend like you don't see it. Don't get up there and say, you see it. I see it. It's getting bad. It's getting bad. It's getting bad. And then do nothing about it because that makes you look a little bit like a fool. Yeah, it makes you look a lot like, again, like you're not this powerless person who, who just, you know, you're not us right now. Just say, no, I wish people could get their shit together. Like you can make people get their shit together. So again, we, it's just the beginning of November. You get that crazy Ohio weather. It's like beautiful outside at 70 degrees uh, where it just snowed or, you know, a week, a week before or whatever. Um, but again, flu season, we're coming to the point already. I'm already had to play the, the roulette wheel of is my, is my cough a cold or the flu or COVID? Um, I know it's not COVID, um and i got a flu shot which you know so it might be the flu it might not but it's we're going into the worst stretch like again people i know this sucks but we're if you look at our case numbers if you look at our hospitalizations like we're doing awful we're doing worse than you know really at any point that we've been and we're going into the hardest part of the year so get it together let's go we can do this it's gonna be a long winter in the state of ohio Oh, winter is coming, Andy. So, all right. I think that's Again, enough. We have to avoid the red wedding. And that is the it, last wow! I'm going to ever be able to make to. Yeah, wow! you like that? You like that? That's it. That's all I got. Made a Thrones reference. Man, you have potential. All right. We're done with the serious stuff. Let's close it out with another list right. of the week. It's the list of the week. So, Andy, top five worst chain restaurants. Again, we're going with the negative. Sometimes it's just fun. It's just fun to be negative. I'm sorry. What can I say? Uh, This was my idea. So I think our resident pessimist and our resident cynic, I'll I'll, I'll take responsibility for this one. I've been looking forward to the top five worst chain restaurants. These are probably not the actual worst chain restaurants, but I think these are ones that are just personally – Let's take some shots at some places. Yeah, so we discussed this a little bit earlier. These restaurants have offended us in some way or another. Uh, and that's why we are coming after you um, with these lists. So you want to go ahead and hit us with number five? Yeah, number five on my list is IHOP. I mean, okay. we can go back to the, you know, when they when they tried to change to IHOP to make it the burgers things. That was dumb. I don't know if you've ever eaten in an IHOP. It's terrible. Everything there is terrible. I mean, top to bottom, terrible. It's awful. It is like Sonic that they bring to your table. Sonic should be an all... Uh, uh, Sonic's not on my list, but that should be like an honorable mention. I mean, it is... It, it's just bad, man. <laughs> I don't know how else to describe it. It's bad. It's, it's open 24-7. I think that's got to be the draw of it, but... I mean, it's open 24-7 because the food is shit, whether you eat it at, at 3 a.m., <laughs> eat it at lunch. I mean, it's 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 awful 24-7. It's, it's horrifically unhealthy. I mean, 
everything is loaded with sodium, loaded with sugar, loaded with fat, and it it's just bad. Like I don't even know how to describe it. It is just I've eaten there a couple of times, and it's been offensive to the senses. Okay, I I think I've only eaten there maybe a handful of times, and at least two of them were in uh, Irvine, Los Angeles, when we, uh, I was out there with some buddies for uh, for a convention. And again, we ate up, we ate there at like two o'clock in the morning. So, you know, anything we'll do at that point. Um, I'm also going to go with a breakfast place for nine, my number five, uh, and I'm going with the Cracker Barrel. Um, I've only eaten at the Cracker Barrel maybe a handful of times because that is bottom of the food chain for me. Let's let's do Bob Evans. Let's do anywhere else. Let's do a diner. Cracker Barrel, every single meal that I've had there has just been like the blandest, just the sausage is burnt, the eggs don't have any taste to them. Um, some waitress accidentally brought me out grits and I tried grits and they were horrible. Then the other thing with Cracker Barrel, you think this would be a good thing, right? You have those, those triangle puzzles where you got to get all the pegs out, um, you know, moving them around each other. And I just don't want to do like logic based puzzles when I'm, you know, trying to wake up and, and eat breakfast. And sometimes I can do it. No problem. But sometimes I get stuck and I just get really frustrated. So Cracker Barrel your food sucks. And I never want to go back. I think your mistake is characterizing Cracker Barrel as a breakfast place. So I'm actually a fan of Cracker Barrel. I, I'm not going to disagree with you that it, it it may be a little bit on the blander side, but it is comfort food. You go there, you get like the fried chicken. They they actually make decent fish. Their burgers are not half bad. I mean, it, it's not fine dining, but Cracker Barrel it's a place where everybody in the family can eat. Cracker Barrel is solid. So you got to try it for dinner before you can totally strike it. Oh, I guess uh, I'll uh, I'll I'll listen to you. I don't I don't I don't like it, but uh, I'll, I guess I'll have to try it at some point. So, okay, number four. Number four. Uh, this will be a short and sweet one. It's Long John Silver's. I mean, they they do basically two things. Well, I guess three things. They do fish and chicken, which is just, you can't even tell which one is different. I think maybe they add a couple of drops. Of, I mean, I think they can't come from the same animal, and it's neither fish nor chicken. <laughs> I think they add a couple of drops of some sort of artificial fish taste to the fish. The hush puppies, I mean, it's fried dough. You can't screw those up. Those are halfway decent. But, man, when you, when you bring something out of out of the fryer and it's fish or chicken and you look at it and you can't tell the difference between the two of them, that's a problem. So, <laughs> yes. Long John Silver's, it sucks. It's going to be the only fast food spot on, on my list. So, that's really all I got to say on them. Yeah, it's not even going to make my list just because I just avoid it because it's like, why would I want to go there? So, good pick. Good pick by you. Um, I am going to take a controversial pick right here this is gonna piss a lot of people off chick-fil-a is coming in at number four on my list and i live with one of the world's biggest chick-fil-a fans and i am here to tell you that waffle fries are so overrated whatever you think you think they're good no a waffle fry purely serves as a vehicle for ketchup it has no taste so boring their chicken is fine. Like, it's not, like, amazing. Uh, their sandwiches are kind of plain. It's just, if if they did not add mac and cheese, which mac and cheese is legit, um, they would be, like, way higher up on my list. 
just they get all these like Stepford wife like people to work there like nobody's ever that happy to be at Chick-fil-A like come on like what are you what are you guys doing like nobody believes this nobody's happy in 2020 come on now Chick-fil-A get out of here your waffle fries suck number four on my list awful awful take Terrible take. <laughs> oh, is this better or Waffle worse than my? The weak better or worse than my Beatles take? Oh, I was with you on the Beatles. <laughs> <laughs> the waffle fries are not the best. I mean, I think not your criticisms are valid, but to, yeah, they're not the best. They're not awful. I also love ketchup, so as a vehicle for ketchup, I'm okay with that because I want my fry to get me ketchup, and that's getting ketchup in my mouth, so I'm good with it. They do a couple of things, and they do it well, and they are so efficient. I'm not a fast food fan in general, so if I go to a fast food place, one, I want it to be efficient. I don't want to do the Burger King thing where you sit there for 25 minutes for fast food, and then you get the wrong shit in the bag. Chick-fil-A is efficient, and it's consistently decent. It's not great, but it is consistently decent. And that's what I want out of my fast food. That's a bad take. You know what I want out of my fast food? I want to be able to go there on a Sunday and order a meal that I like from there. How about that? I can't respond to that. <laughs> Always crave it on a Sunday, too. Oh. Okay, Andy. Hit us up with three. <laughs> Their politics are terrible, but we don't have to get into that. Amen to that. Okay, you're up for number three. Number three. This shouldn't be controversial. Starbucks. Their coffee is but their co- I would rather have a coffee from McDonald's, and McDonald's coffee tastes like straight cigarettes. And I do not smoke, and I do not like cigarettes. <laughs> Starbucks is consistent. It is burnt. It is overpriced. I'm not going to get any of those drinks that they make that have 27 different things on them and are, you know, a thousand calories for a drink. I'm just trying to get a cup of black coffee. So maybe I'm not the target demographic, but Starbucks is trash. I've tried a couple of the food items from there. Trash. They do make a nice French press. I've bought their French press before. It's reasonably priced. And it, you know, it gets the job done. So their coffee accessories are fine. Their coffee itself, trash. I mean, I can't argue here because I don't drink coffee. I've tried multiple times and I just can't bring myself to do it. But I feel like your Starbucks take is going to be as or more controversial than my Chick-fil-A take. So... Send your hate mail to Andy at BuckeyeDadsDiscuss at gmail.com. Okay. Uh, Drink I... my coffee black. <laughs> All right. Number three for me. I'm just, this is more a site-specific thing, but Wendy's is on my list. And the reason why is the Wendy's by my house is one of the worst fast food restaurants that I have ever visited in my entire life. It's a rotating cast of people. They always screw an order up. They always take forever. And again, another place where the fries are just receptacles for ketchup. Like you take a Wendy's fry and a Chick-fil-A fry and you put them up against the McDonald's fry. And the McDonald's fry, granted, while it's still going to be around a thousand years from now, it tastes way fucking better. Like, come on now. No breakfast. Like, sometimes I just really need a sausage and egg muffin with cheese. And it's like, hey, Wendy's, you got anything for me to eat for breakfast? No. Just a bummer. Just we, we, and it's our, it's our family's go-to fast food restaurant. And I'm just, uh, if they didn't have the chili, it would just be, 
I'd be so done. So, Wendy's, you're on the list at number three. I'm with you with the so-so fries for sure. I mean, yeah, McDonald's is going to knock either one of those fries out of the park. Wendy's has Wendy's is like a place that has potential. The items are like they're like kind of interesting. The burger patties themselves aren't complete garbage. Like there's a potential to Wendy's that it just never lives up to. The you're right. The efficiency. It. I don't think it's just your location of Wendy's because all the Wendy's suck at getting orders right. They're slow, and it. It's like you get the burger and it's like I can taste what this could have been, but it it just never gets there. Andy, there is one Wendy's that I will not not let you besmirch. So this is the <laughs> this is the exception to my hospital rule. at Ohio State, right? In the basement of the James Cancer Hospital on Ohio State's campus is the mecca of Wendy's. And when I was at Ohio State, I worked in a in, in a research lab, and the medical campus has an intricate set of tunnels that filter into the hospital. But sometimes we would just be so classless as to just walk into the cancer hospital at midnight because we really wanted some Wendy's and it was right by our place uh, and take the elevator down to the basement. This Wendy's, because they were serving a high volume of people, had the efficiency thing down pat. You placed your order pretty far down the line. Uh, by the time you got up to pay for the order, you paid for your order, you got your food, the food was fresh just a place that I spent so much time in that Wendy's phenomenal. Every other Wendy's cannot hold a candle to the, uh, the James hospital Wendy's. That Wendy's worked like a Chick-fil-A. That's why it was so good. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Number two for you. Number two. I mean, everybody has that pizza place that they got to take a dump on. And I mean, this is going to be a pretty classic one, but it's Domino's. I mean, I've had a, I don't know. Every couple of years, I'll try Domino's, and every couple of years, it still sucks. Their commercials, you know, they they put out like, "Oh, it's Domino's. We fixed it." And it's like, "Nah, you haven't." <laughs> <laughs> oh. I mean, it's just consistently bad. I mean, it's just it's just bad. It's like, how hard is it to fuck up a pizza? I mean, for these guys, they they were down to a science, just making bad pizzas, and and they just keep pumping them out. So, I mean, I I don't have. A ton of hate in it, but I felt like there needed to be a pizza place on there that was trash. And, and Domino's is it. I don't know anybody that likes Domino's. Okay, so I was very close to having them on my list. And I'm still of the opinion that even a bad pizza is still a pizza. Uh, but if you had to pick that bad pizza to put on the list, it's Domino's. Um, so uh, this is a good pick by you. I don't want to hear anybody besmirch Little Caesars. Uh, there are so many, so many high school summers where um, uh, my buddy Nick and I, we worked the same two jobs together. We would go to our morning job. We would go get a hot and ready and a two liter of Coke uh, afterwards. And then we would go bag groceries at Kroger's. Uh, $5 for a large pizza. I don't want to hear it. I, 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 I will, you will never get me to say anything bad about Little Caesars. Uh, but Domino's, if I, had to pick, if I had to pick the pizza chain, it would also be Domino's. It's a Michigan company, so that's another negative. I mean, Little Caesars is a Michigan company too, but we can we can knock Domino's for it, not Little Caesars. Okay, that's fair. All right, number two for me is Red Robin. So, trash. <laughs> so I will never be able the very but continue first, the very first time I ever went to a Red Robin. I was maybe I don't know seven, eight, somewhere in there, maybe a little older, and I had a whale of a headache just 
awful. Couldn't even like hold my head up. Just wanted to be anywhere else in the world. And the first of my first time going there, we sit down and I just, you know, I'm, I'm getting into a good spot. I'm kind of zoned out a little bit. And then there's just people start yelling and singing. What is going on? And just over and over again, like, I don't want to go to the super loud restaurant. Why I have a headache. And I've just never been able to shake that association. So, you know, cool. You can do burgers. Like, can we do some other things on the menu too? Like, again, I'm just anti-fry. I'm sorry. Like, I, I you know, I, I realize that, you know, it's one of the most American things in the world. But give me a side salad. Give me mac and cheese. Give me anything besides uh, besides some fries. Just, ugh. Give me Applebee's. Give me Chili's. Give me something else. Just Red Robin. Ugh. So they're number two on my list. Applebee's over Red Robin? <laughs> yeah, Applebee's, Andy. Deal with it. This is the last episode. I hope you all enjoyed the show. We're done. <laughs> We're done. This is it. Oh. So when we so we talked about this list before, and you were talking about the dollar to food ratio, right? Yes, that's true. So cool, you can get a lot of really shitty any fries red... that don't. Uh, no, no, no. They're not Man. shitty fries. They are solid, solid burgers. Good fries, as many as you want. They'll bring you ranch. They'll bring you ketchup. They'll bring you the malt vinegar if you want it. You, you hate fries. This is a war on fries, and I won't stand for it. <laughs> It's a war on This fries. is just, you came up with this topic list just to talk shit about fries. It's trash. <laughs> oh, maybe I did. Maybe I did. Oh, I just can't. I just, it's just stop yelling. I just don't want you to yell at me while I'm getting my dinner. So that's Red Robin. I'm sorry. I don't, and again, my wife's going to be furious. My wife will pick Red Robin every single time. And it's just like, nope, I'm good. Our pass for me. Well, I'm glad she's there to keep you in line because you're making <laughs> terrible choices and somebody needs to fix it. Applebee's? Applebee's should have been on my list. I don't know why it wasn't. Applebee's has many quality menu items that I enjoy eating. So, Do they still make Applebee's? Do they still have Applebee's? Yeah, they do. You want to go get kicked out of an Applebee's? Uh, there probably are rats in the Cobb salads. Oh, jeez. No, I will not. I will not listen to any more of this Applebee's smearing. Nope, 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 nope. It's not even on my list. I just, I, I have to. I can't believe you took a shot at Red Robin. Red Robin is great. Red, Red Robin, Robin, come at me, bro. All right, Andy, you're number one. Let's let's wrap this up. Red Robin doesn't have to come at you because they got lines out the door because their burgers <laughs> and fries are great. They don't need you. Go down to Applebee's. I'm sure they're hurting for business. No. Number one on my list, possibly controversial since I'm sure we have some sports fans on our list, but Buffalo Wild Wings. What the fuck is this place? Who goes there? Who goes to Buffalo Wild Wings? It's overpriced beer. I mean, do you have a microwave? Do you have a microwave in your house? I, I do, yes. Do you know how to push the buttons? Most days, yes. Then you can cook better than a Buffalo <laughs> Wild Wings. There is shit that you can get out of the freezer section that is better food than Buffalo Wild Wings. It is a bunch of loud, obnoxious, drunk on a picture of Miller Lake people yelling about sports. That is not my scene. I'm not a watch sport in public guy, so I'm certainly not the target demographic. But the food is shit. The beer is not cheap. Go to Frickers. It's local, and the beer is way cheaper. I don't get Buffalo Wild Wings. Like, I don't know how. Every time I see they have commercials, I'm like, who is going there and keeping this afloat? Because this place is awful. 100% of the time, you're getting a stomachache from that place. 100% of the time. Terrible, just, terrible food, crap atmosphere. 
I think the atmosphere is fine. I think you can't be a place that wants to be known for their wings and just not have very good wings. Like, I Frickers, anytime, uh, give me Frickers. Uh, wings over Columbus. Uh, just so many spots that just have better wings. Like, so everything's expensive there, relatively speaking. It's just, it's always crowded, and it's like, oh, it's the cool place to be, so let's go to B-dubs. Like, no, like, give me some other place, uh, you know, with it's, you know, just, it's not that hard to have TVs hanging up now to go watch a game at or whatever, so uh, I'll stand by you on this one. Um, it didn't offend me enough to make my top five list, but uh, I certainly appreciate the case for it. There yeah, you. I I mean, there's a Venn diagram of me and people go, who go to Buffalo Wild Wings, and, and we will never touch. <laughs> Okay, so as Andy alluded to earlier, one of the uh, Ten Commandments of Josh's going out to eat is I want a high quantity of food to dollar ratio. And the biggest offender on that list for me is Panera. So again, I'm coming guns blazing. I know a lot of people who like Panera's. Oh, the food is so good there. It's like, okay, well, I don't want to pay $20 for a half a sandwich and a little baguette and you know a, a medium pop like what is going on here like this is not a fancy sit-down restaurant uh so yeah you got a lot of variety of food it's fine it's nothing special but i'm not paying an exorbitant amount of money for not not very much food so uh you know you get your oh you got your little buzzer system and your orders up and all that or whatever no just bring me my food like get out of here i'm done panera you're number one on the list. Hundred percent with you on that. Never understood the place. I literally walked in there one time and I looked at the menu and I, said, I don't even know what the fuck this is. I don't know how to order here, and I just left. Um, <laughs> you know, it's just like I don't, I don't. There's too many adjectives. Like, just tell me what the food. Like, I don't know what this is. Tell me what it is. Mm, for sure, it's not good. It's overpriced. I mean, you can find. It's what sandwiches. Am I right about that? like sandwiches? Yeah, and it's soup? like sandwiches and soups and like you know. It's basically just like the lunch menu at a real restaurant priced as the dinner menu menu at a real restaurant. That's a great world-class description of Panera right there. Yep. You want a good place, go to the original sub shop on Broadway, man. You want a good sandwich, go there. You're not going to pay as much as you are at Panera. Yeah, I've eaten there a couple of times. I've had the coffee there is nothing special. I've had some of their drinks that are supposed to be like, I think they have like flavored iced teas or something trash Panera's a joke get rid of it great pick for you you kind of redeemed yourself you picked a place without fries so you couldn't just uh, wage an, an assault an all-out offensive on french fries so uh, i'm with you Panera is trash and definitely violates your number one commandment i want to just give a quick shout out to one of the worst fast food experiences you and i have ever had i don't know if you remember this trip andy we were coming back to columbus and we went and stopped at a Taco Bell outside. Like we were not like on campus, and we put our order in, and we stood there for like twenty five fucking minutes. And eventually, we were like, "Hey guys, like, where's our food at? Like, what's going on?" And they're like, "Oh, we we must have lost your order." <laughs> so it was like we were at Taco Bell for like an hour by the time we actually sat down and finished eating or whatever. I have never waited that long at a fast food restaurant before. And it was, it was almost to the point where like people were looking at us like, why are you still here? Uh, Cause we, we had been standing there for so long, man, 
that, that that will always stay with me for whatever random reason. I brutal. I think it took as long to get our food as it did to drive from Toledo to Columbus that day. <laughs> oh man, brutal. Uh, the last the last restaurant I want to shout out is the Ohio State Taco Bell Pizza Hut combo uh, because <laughs> legend. The restaurant was open until like four in the morning. It did an insane amount of business on the weekends from about two to four in the morning after all the bars let out. And just there's nothing like going to a place, getting in that restaurant has a combo meal where it's just breadsticks and a pop. And then you can also just order whatever burritos and tacos and whatnot you want off Taco Bell menu, like just absolutely clutch. Man, we 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 had many many an evening slash morning there. I mean, you want to talk about obesity? That that's where mine <laughs> came from. It was that place, hundred percent. It was that place. It was that meal specifically. <laughs> it was the breadsticks and the tacos together. Yes. Oh, but it was good. Didn't uh, I? I don't think I was there for this. Didn't you? Weren't you on the receiving end of some uh, biological warfare by a drunk person there? Didn't you get anthrax <laughs> at that restaurant? I didn't get anthrax at that restaurant. <laughs> oh. I mean, that's the kind of stuff that could only happen at that Taco Bell after 2 a.m. I mean, you were walking into, I mean, I, I imagine that's what the drunk tank at prison is like. I've never been, but yes. I would imagine that that's what that experience is, is like. Because <laughs> the line was so long there. It was like you're waiting in line to get into a concert. You like walk up and down the rows or whatever while you're waiting in line. And it was just, what was it? Some like some like drunk chick like stuck her hand out and like made the blowing motion like out of her hand and said, "Oh, now you have anthrax!" Like, oh, so much drunk behavior there. It's unbelievable. I mean, they, they should give the staff at that place like military medals for, for surviving a, <laughs> like a, a semester at Ohio State. You should get a medal for that hazard pay. Oh man, I wonder if that place is still there. Me too. We really need that. Once you know the world's not on fire, we need to take another field trip down there for a, for a game or a weekend or or a, a night at the Big Bang. Maybe recreate the bachelor party, dueling piano hey, bar. I'm always down for that. Oh man, that was a good time. All right, everyone. Well, that's going to bring us to the end of our episode today. I'm feeling good, Andy. I'm feeling good. 2021. We're going to bounce back. The country's going to start setting itself right we'll get a grip on this uh covid epidemic it's got to be better than 2020 right new year's eve 2020 is gonna be the biggest new year's eve at least since you know 1999 but probably the biggest new year i mean not that 2020 is gonna solve all our problems but man there's just gonna be a lot of pent up let's celebrate 2020 being in the rear view mirror for sure All right, well, this has been another episode of Buckeye Dads Discuss, and we'll talk to you guys later. Put on your damn mask and stay safe, Ohio. Buckeye Dads Discuss is a podcast hosted by Andy and Josh. It's edited by April. You can find us on social media at Buckeye Dads on Twitter, and you can email the show at BuckeyeDadsDiscuss at gmail.com.